Officer Jerry Peralta has a problem. Officer Jerry Peralta is chief of police in a relatively small town called Pass Christian, Mississippi. And he's standing in front of a very posh three-story apartment building, very fancy. Behind him, about 250 feet away, is a lovely, beautiful beach, coastline, overlooking the Gulf of Mexico. Beyond that, there is brewing out over the water what appears to be the strongest hurricane for that region on record. It's building up strength, and it's getting ready to hit the land. They've given it the name Camille. On the second story, Officer Peralta sees all these people who are laughing, having drinks, eating snacks. It's a party. He shouts up to them because everybody else has evacuated. You need to get out of there. This is serious. And they all lean over the balcony and they laugh and they make fun of the, the police officer. And the owner of the, of the apartment where this party is taking place, he said, this is my place. Hey, Mr. Officer, if you want me to leave, you're going to have to come up here and arrest me. Officer Peralta makes no arrests. He doesn't have time for that. What he does insist upon doing, and they finally do it, he insists that each of them give him names of their next of kin so he knows whom to contact after they all perish. Tell us a story. This is the theme that we have been following here this fall, where Jesus tells us various stories to communicate to us profound truths about our relationship with him. This weekend, Jesus tells us a, a, a sad, sobering story about rejection. And he tells this story with, with urgency because he knows that a storm is coming. But even in this disturbing story, there is a beautiful promise for you and me. Here's the setting. It is, as it has been the last couple of weekends, it is, it is the Tuesday before Jesus dies on the cross. So in about 48 hours, he will be arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, and then the following morning, he will be hanging on the cross, suffering and dying to wash our sins away. Nobody else knows that for sure. Jesus, of course, knows that that's coming. At present, he's in the temple area in, in Jerusalem, and he is working to give one more fervent warning, one more fervent invitation to the religious leaders, the, the calloused, 
self-absorbed religious leaders who think they don't need a savior from sin and who think that they can weather any coming storm just fine. And so this is the story Jesus tells them. He says there's a king who decides to prepare a lavish, wonderful wedding banquet in celebration of his his son's wedding. And so when everything is ready, he sends his servants out to those who had already been invited. Everything's ready. Come to the banquet. Refusal. Rejection. Nobody comes. And so he sends out more servants. And he emphasizes, everything is prepared. I have so much delicious food ready for you to enjoy. Everything is ready. Just come. But Jesus in his story says, in some ways this just makes it worse, they just pay no attention. They, they just find other things to do, things that are more urgent in their minds. One is, a, is in agriculture, he says, well, I've got some work to do out in the fields, got to take care of that. Someone has a business, he says, well, you know how it is, things are crazy, I have to, I have to take care of business. And they find other things to do rather than come to the king's banquet. And then there are some others. There are some others who actually not only refuse, but they react in violence. They murder. They murder the the, the king's servants. And so now that forces the king to bring in his army and to bring justice upon those murderers. And so after all of that has settled, the king still, still wishes to fill his banquet hall to celebrate the wedding of his son. And so now he tells his servants, just just go out, just go out into the streets, go to the street corners, you invite, you invite, you invite, you bring in anybody you can find. And that's exactly what they did. They brought in people with, with, with every kind of background, whether it was a noble background or a not-so-noble background, they brought them in, and finally his wedding hall was filled. As the king is doing this, the king also employs, according to Jesus' story, an ancient Middle Eastern custom, an ancient Middle Eastern custom for the host of the wedding banquet to provide appropriate clothing for all of his guests. It's a kindness on the part of the host, and it also emphasizes the specialness and the great honor and dignity of this celebration. And so he's enjoying all of the guests dressed in his wedding clothes that he has provided, especially keep in mind that he's invited people off the streets So he provides clothing for them. But then he sees one guest. One guest who clearly has rejected the king's clothing. For whatever reason, this guest presumes that his own ratty clothes, imagine cutoffs and sandals and maybe part of a t-shirt, that he thinks that that's more than good enough for this banquet, this wedding, 
and for this king. The result? In Jesus' story, and now he, he goes a little bit from the story into more of a spiritual meaning. The result is that this man is cast out into the darkness. The darkness. Apart from God and his goodness forever. You know that scientists clocked the speed of Hurricane Camille? When it hit land, they clocked the velocity of the winds at 205 miles per hour. They say that at that velocity, velocity raindrops are like bullets. The waves crested up to 28 feet high. Those posh apartments, wiped away to the foundations, along with all those who had rejected Officer Peralta's words. But as all of us here know, and everyone on live stream knows, storms come in all shapes and sizes, don't they? Not just hurricanes. There are things in our lives that can come that will make hurricanes seem mild. And all those storms come because of sin. Your sin and mine. It's because of your sin and mine that we have so many storms in this broken, storm-filled world. Some are small, others are sheer hurricanes. And they all remind us that the ultimate storm is coming. The moment when you and I leave this earth and we face the king. But it's because of the storms that Jesus came. God the Son came here, and he became one of us. And on our behalf, he lived the life that you and I have failed to live. He lived a life of perfect faithfulness. He lived a life that was always focused on his heavenly Father, he lived a life that was always patient. He lived a life that was always demonstrating perfect love towards his heavenly Father and towards others. And then in our place, he took upon himself all of the ways in which you and I have let God down, all the ways in, you, in which you and I have let each other down, all the ways in which you and I have found excuses to find things that are, seem more urgent or more important, rather than our relationship with the only Savior you and I are ever going to have. He took all those failures, and he carried them to the cross. And through his blood, he washed them. He washed them all away. And then he raised himself back to life. 
And now through his gospel, he keeps coming to you and me with his invitation. Come, come to me, you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Be cleansed. Be cloaked in the robe of righteousness I have purchased for you so that you are saints, holy ones in the eyes of God. Be secure in my shelter and I will carry you through the storm. Come home. The children in our school learn of this very Savior. And they know from God's Word that in every storm, He will hold them fast. This morning, they sing of this Savior. But what they sing is not just for them. It's not just for children. It's for you and me too. I would ask that everyone please remain seated. Children, you may come forward. Please tell us about our Savior.
Please stand.